I want us to look this morning in the epistle of James, New Testament book of James, and I want us to look in chapter number four, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles, please. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to James chapter number four, and I want to read there a few verses in, of scripture in your hearing, a very familiar passage of scripture, and then share with you a thought that I've never preached from, from this passage of scripture before. And that's always remarkable to me, especially a passage this familiar, as many times as what I've preached from it. It's such a familiar passage. Most of the time I mark places in my Bible where I have preached and things scribbled down and, and uh, dates and all sorts of things. This is one of those I've preached from so much I don't even mark anything on it because there would be page filled up. And there is no telling how many times I've preached from this, this portion of Scripture we, I know we've preached from the entirety of the book of James because we spent 10 weeks, if my memory serves me right, going through the book of James on Wednesday nights back some 15 or so years ago. Uh, and then, of course, there's no telling at the times that I have preached from these portions of Scripture. The first time I have marked in this Bible, which this is not the first Bible that I started preaching from, and uh, so, but the first time that I have marked in this Bible that I preached from this portion of scripture and it's uh, I quit marking in it but the first time was in 1993 and so that's been a few years ago that uh, we've preached from this portion of scripture and uh, many 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 times of course since then and I don't know that that was the first time this was not the first Bible that I began using when I started preaching but I want us to read from the book of James in chapter 4 and beginning in verse number 13 in your Bibles, and you can just remain seated if you want to while I'm reading this morning. We may give some running commentary as we go along. The scripture says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. You're making big plans for the future. You've got a financial plan. You have a personal plan, a family plan, individual goals, aspirations, desires, a schedule to meet. We're going to this place, conducting this business. We're going to buy and sell. Our venture is going to be profitable. That is, we're going to get gain. This is what is going to happen. He warns us against thinking that way, this certainty about the future, for he says... And by the way, there is no discouragement here in planning. There is no discouragement in ambition. There is no discouragement in buying and selling and creating a profit or in laboring. The discouragement is in the certainty about the future. For he says, verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You can't plan all of these things with certainty. For a year from now, you said that you're going to go there, stay there a year, buy and sell and get gain. You don't even know what's coming on tomorrow, let alone a year from now. You cannot be certain about the next day, let alone the next year and the year after. Make a business plan. Schedule things out. Be ambitious. Be uh, hardworking. Be diligent. But understand... You don't know that tomorrow's ever going to arrive. Your best laid plans may come unfoiled. They may come unraveled on you. It may not work out 
Understand that you do not know what shall be on the morrow. He asked this question. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if you ought to say, not that we're not going to plan, we're not going to try, we're not going to do anything, we're not even going to try to give an effort because we don't know what's coming. That's not what he tells us. What you ought to say is, if it is the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will, we shall live and then we shall do this or that. It's not that we're going to do nothing. It's not that he is discouraging ambition. But he just understand that your plan may not be God's plan. And if it is the Lord's will, this is what the goal is. If it's the Lord's will, this is our desire, our ambition, our plan, our schedule. But really, if we're only going to be able to do this if it's the Lord's will. Because we don't even know what tomorrow will hold. Our plans may be changed by the necessities of life. Our plans may be changed by the closing out of life. You may not live to see them through. What is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little while. Vapor is that like steam, a gas that comes off of water. It's when water has been changed by the way you change water from liquid to solid with cold. You change water from liquid to gas with heat. He said your life is like water that has been put under the pressure of heat. And when it does, it turns into a steam or a vapor, a gas, and it just vanishes away. It's like it uh, spreads out or disappears into thin air. And you wonder, where did it go? What happened to it? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You can relate to this. And uh, some of these little boys and girls don't even have a clue what I mean by this. But some of you with a little bit of silver in your hair understand what I'm saying. You look back and you wonder, where did my 20s go, my 30s go? Where did my childhood go? Where did life just go? The days were there when I thought I had everything ahead of me. And now it seems like it's behind me. The time comes that life changes. Where did it all go? Poof, it's gone. It vanishes. Hey, you realize you can't reach back there in the hinder part of your life. You cannot reach back there into your teenage years and recover something that's back there. It's gone. It's like that vapor. You can't catch it with your hands. You cannot grasp it or hold on to it. Have some of you with little ones in your house and children still at home. You realize you better enjoy the days and make the most of them while you can. Because when you get ahead of it, you can't hold on to it. You cannot grasp it. You can't get a handle on to it. It will vanish, slip between your fingers and pass away and time will be gone. That's the way life works, friend. That's the way it works. And in this scripture, I made a few notes in the margin of the Bible about this passage of scripture. I'm not preaching these, but I'll share them with you. That life, is, what he asked, what is your life? It is short. Your life is short. It doesn't last long. Hey, your life is spiritual. Hey, life is not compared to water when it's a liquid or water when it's a solid. But water when it is a gas. That is, it is spiritual. It's not solid. It's not something you can put your hands on. It's not even something that you can bathe in. It's something, my friend, that just slipped right through your fingers. It's impossible to hold on to. It's impossible to define. It's impossible to put in a box. Your life is spiritual. You are not a human being. You are not a human being who is saved having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. And the spiritual part of man is what really 
matters. I am not a body with a spirit. I am a spirit with a body. Amen. And the spirit man is what really matters. That's what life is really all about. Your life is spiritual. It's spiritual. And then notice the substance of your life. The substance is such that it appeared for just a little while. It appeared for just a little time. And for just today, you're here, tomorrow you're gone. And my friend, it is a, your substance of life. Hey, you're not here forever. No need to drive your states down too deep in this old world. How look for the world that is to come for how we are here but just a little while. Then notice the sorrowfulness of life. He said, and then it vanisheth away. It is appointed that a man wants to die. And after this judgment, our lives are here but just a little while. Sorrow appears when we gather around the gravestone. Sorrow appears whenever we gather around that. Have my friend the casket. Sorrow appears whenever we gather around with memories of days past. And that's all we have left. But I'm telling you, it's part of life. It surely is what living in. How living is. And then notice the secrecy of life. In the verse number 15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord's will, we shall live and do this or do that. What life holds in the future is a secret to us. We don't know what will be on tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in the next breath. These things are secretized. But I'm glad like the uh, prophet Daniel said, I know a God to whom all secrets are known. He knows everything in secret. And if it's the Lord's will, He knows what tomorrow holds. His will, that's what it amounts to. He's the one that knows about it all. That's what life is. It's short and spiritual and substantive, sorrowful and secretive. And so what we ought to do is put it all in the hands of the Lord. Now that I've preached my parenthetical sermon, let's preach the one that's prepared. Amen. Oh, but listen to me this morning. What is your life is the question he asks here. What is your life? From 1952 to 1983, there was a television show called This Is Your Life. It was developed from a popular radio show by the same name that aired from 1948 to 1952. In the program, the host would surprise guests and then take them through a retrospective of their lives in front of an audience. By the way, just so we'll find out all who all in here really is old and uh, has been around in a while, how many of y'all remember the TV show, This Is Your Life? This is your life. See, some of y'all remember. See, last night my wife says, she said, I don't remember it. I said, it was before your time. She said, you're the same age as what I am. I said, yeah, but I paid attention sooner than what you did. And uh, so it was uh, in my lifetime. And she even told me, she said, well, if it happened before I was seven or eight years old, I don't remember it. I said, honey, they went off the air when you were seven years old. She said, I don't remember it then. Uh, but this is your life. I remember it from when I was a child. And that they would bring uh, someone out onto the stage and uh, uh, they would take them through a retrospective of their lives in front of an audience. Uh, my favorite highlight of the show were when friends, family members, relatives, and past colleagues would show up unexpectedly in that place and surprise uh, the person who was being featured on the show that night. Uh, maybe it was a first grade teacher, a peewee football coach, a first employer, a high school sweetheart, or neighbors from days many years past. 
The thing is that all of the guests, without exception, that all of the guests were celebrities or well, whether they were celebrities or well-known successful people, all of them were persons who were late in life. And the things they discussed were always past events. Yet the name of the show was This Is Your Life. Really, they should have called it This Was Your Life. They didn't talk about anything that is now. They talked about everything that was in the past. The truth is the show should have been called This Was Your Life. It was nostalgic. It was entertaining. But the Scripture didn't ask the question, What Was Your Life? The Scripture asked the question, What Is Your Life? The things that are here are but just a moment. They're like a vapor. They're like steam. It vanishes and the past is gone. You realize what today is now will soon be in the past? And just like yesterday, it will be a vapor but but a memory? This sermon, I know some of y'all have a hard time believing this sometimes on Sunday morning. In just a little while, this sermon's going to be over with. It will be in the past. Some of y'all said, I've heard that story before. In just a little while, this sermon will be in the past. It will be the sermon Brother Toby once preached. It'll be the message we once heard. It will be the church service we once attended. But those things will be in the past. It is irrecoverable. You cannot get it back. Oh, my friend, what my life is today is totally different and a totally different matter. What is left whenever everything else is gone? We could discuss my experiences from the third grade when I, or maybe when I worked my first job or somebody that I knew in the days past, but that was my life. The scripture said, what is your life? And that's a totally different matter. The past is irrecoverable and the present is fleeting away. The more pertinent question may concern your future. And that's really what this passage of Scripture is about. He tells us, don't talk about your future and say a year from now, we're going to go to this town, we're going to do that, we're going to make money, and we got big plans. He said, you don't know what the future holds for you. And what is your life? What is the future? What are the days ahead really all about? How you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. We're going to live. We're going to be able to do these things if it is the Lord's will. The more pertinent question this morning might not be what is your life in terms of the past? But what is your life in terms of the future? What is your life concerning the days ahead? What will your life be like a hundred years from now? I got news for you. I got news for you. It is highly unlikely that anybody who's in the building this morning who's old enough to understand what I'm preaching is going to be alive in this world a hundred years from now. It's highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely any of us live to be a hundred years old. And that my friend, even if we took the little smallest baby in the building this morning, it's unlikely that they're even around a hundred years from now. Let alone all the rest of us, however old you are, add a hundred years to it and tell me, do you really believe you're going to live to be that old? And the answer is no. 
Last night, Julia said, she said, uh, Daddy, I won't be. I preach, by the way, usually every Saturday I preach the message to my kids before I preach it to y'all. And so if it, and listen, I preached it to Caitlin yesterday before I preached it to the rest of them. And so she's heard it twice. This is the third round. And if it's not any good, y'all can blame it on her because twice yesterday she said, Daddy, that's real good. And so if it's not any good, she should have told me yesterday while I was working on it. Amen. Oh, I mentioned it last night. And Julia said, Daddy, I'll only be a hundred and nine. I'll only be a hundred and nine. It's very unlikely that any of us will be alive in this world a hundred years from now. And so today I'm asking you or trying to preach to you about uh, this saying like much like the title of that television show that some of 60 years or so ago and y'all can go out of here doing something you never do out of Truth Baptist Church and tell somebody tomorrow that your preacher preached yesterday on the tel- popular television show. Uh, you don't have to tell them that it was 65, 70 years old. How uh, my friend when it first started. Uh, but that popular television show this is your life. Here's what I'm preaching over the Lord to help me. This is your life a hundred years from now. This is your life a hundred years from now. It's highly unlikely that any of us are alive in this world. But my friend, the question is, you will have a life a hundred years from now. You will live Oh, one way or another, we're going to live on, so let's make heaven our home. You will exist a hundred years from now. You are an eternal being living in a temporary house. Amen. And a hundred years from now, that eternal being that is in you will be somewhere. And I want to ask you, what is your life going to be like a hundred years from now? hundred years from now. This is your life a hundred years from now. I want to ask you this morning four questions and then we'll try to answer them or give you the options. It'll be multiple choice this morning and I'll give you the options of the answers as we go along in the preaching of the Word of the Lord. But I want to ask you four specific questions in the preaching time today. Where, number one, where will you be a hundred years from now. Where will you be a hundred years from now? The strong likelihood is none of us will be where we are today. I mean, I would like to think if I lived a hundred years from now, if I lived a hundred years, I'd be 143 years old. Somebody's going to give me an award. I'll bring me a birthday cake. It's got enough candles on it that they have to call the fire marshal. If I lived to be a hundred years older than what I am right now, I'd like to think that I'd still be in church. I'd be in the house of the Lord. I'd love to think I'd still be preaching. And so some of y'all sitting on the pew right now and thinking, yep, Brother Toby's alive a hundred years from now, he's still preaching and he's still preaching an hour at a time. Amen. And I hope to the good Lord in heaven if I'm alive a hundred years from now that I am still doing that. But the how strong likelihood is that none of us are here where we are this morning a hundred years from now. It's likely we've all stepped from time to eternity by that time. But you'll not be in church. You'll probably not be living in this time. I want to tell you something that's certain. You will not be in purgatory. You will not be in limbo. My friend, if you've left the walks of this life, it is certain, my friend, you'll not be in places like that. Really, friend, the likelihood all of us are going to be gone from this life by the time a hundred years from now comes to pass. 
And so really there are only two options of where you'll be. And you'll either be enjoying the comforts of heaven according to Revelation 21 and 4 and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for former things are passed away and he that sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new and he said unto me right for these words are true and faithful and he said unto me it is done I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end I will give to him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son if you know Jesus friend a hundred years from now you'll be enjoying the comforts of the glory world but my friend the reality is there is only two options a hundred years from now you'll either be enjoying the comforts of heaven or you will be enduring the torments of hell. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 the next verse. That the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Oh I'm reminded of Luke 16 and how my friend the beggar Lazarus how he died that was carried in Abraham's bosom by the angels of God and my friend the rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment in the flame there was but two options friend hear me and the Bible said that that rich man saw Father Abraham afar off and he called unto Father Abraham and he said send Lazarus with water that he may dip his finger in the water and touch it to my tongue for I am toy cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame and Father Abraham said son have I remembered that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented hear me when it comes a hundred years from now and we ask where will you be there are really only two options enjoying the comforts of heaven or enduring the torments of hell and what will make the difference in it all is what choices you make concerning this man Jesus while you are yet in this life in the present day in the present day where will you be a hundred years from now This is your life. I want to ask you a second question this morning. What will you be doing a hundred years from now? I mean, am I, am I out of context in this scripture here? Brother Tom preaching about it in a future sense. Since he talked about this going tomorrow, saying if we, if we live and we shall do this or that, is that not what he's asking us? Our life for the future, what is it? I mean, a hundred years from now, what will you be doing? You likely, my friend, will not be employed where you are currently employed now. You likely will not be finishing another year of schooling. Though some folks I have wondered if it would take them a hundred years to get done. 
you likely will not be bringing up children or building for a retirement nest egg. And the reality is there are only two of my friend possibilities concerning where we all likely will be as we'll likely not be in this present life. Hear me, where will you be? Where will you be a hundred years from now? What will you be doing? You will either be singing the praises of the Lamb. By the way, that's what I'm going to be doing a hundred years from now. Singing the praises of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 and after this, I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindred and tongues and people stood before the throne and before the Lamb and clothed in white robes and palms in their hands cried with a loud voice. Somebody said, oh, I don't like all that sound. By the way, can I tell you something just as a sidebar right here? If you hear people say stuff like this, those are hollering people down there at that church. They don't know the Lord. They don't know the Holy Ghost. They don't know the Word of God. They say, oh, we went to church and everybody there was screaming. They don't know the Holy Ghost. They don't know God. Everybody down there was throwing fits. Oh, listen, they don't know the Holy Ghost. And they don't know God. But you hear somebody say something like, you know, they got happy. They were shouting. You mark her down. They're at least familiar with the Holy Ghost and familiar with the Lord and might even be saved. Have saved people. Holy Ghost filled people. Don't call worshiping God screaming and throwing fits and hollering. We call it getting happy and shouting and praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Those are scriptural terms, spiritual terms. Those other things denote fear. They were screaming. That's what you do when you're riding a roller coaster. My friend, they were hollering. That's what you do when you get mad at your wife or your mother-in-law. Amen. And they were and they were throwing fits. That's what Brother John does when ginger burns of the French toast. Amen. Just pitches them fits. That's what she told him one afternoon. On a Sunday afternoon, he didn't do nothing but just reach in there and snatch it out the oven. And she said, you always pitching them fits. I thought, buddy, if she thinks that's a fit, she ought to see some of the things that I've seen in my lifetime. Amen. That's exactly right. Had no domestic disputes were going on. They're not allowed at the gambling house. You can't even snatch the bread out of the oven fast. You've got to do that with ease. Amen. Oh, but listen, saved people don't call worshiping God throwing fits or screaming or yelling. But they talk about getting happy. They talk about rejoicing. They talk about worshiping God. They talk about shouting the praises of God. You know what I'm going to be doing a hundred years from now? I'm going to be getting happy. I'm going to be shouting amen I'm going to be praising the Lord and I'm going to be doing it you may not like it here but I believe if you're saved you're going to like it when we get there I'm going to be doing it with a loud voice and you know what we're going to say salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts fell down on their faces and they worshiped God saying amen Blessing and honor and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be in our God forever and ever. Amen. 
And one of the elders answered and said unto me, And what are these that are arrayed? Who are these? Or what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne said, Dwell among them. And you know what that elder says? He said, You know why they're acting like this? You know why they're behaving this way? Because they knew what it was to be in tribulation. They knew what it was to be in a world full of sin. But he said they also know what it is to come out. They know what it is to come out and to come in. Hallelujah. They know what it was to be in a world of sin. And they know what it is to be around the throne of God. They knew what it was to be around where there was death and sorrow and sickness. But all that's passed away. They knew what it was to be disappointed in their flesh and disappointed in their performance in their lives. But they took their robes and washed them clean in the blood of the Lamb. And they know what it's like to be cleansed. And you know what that did to them? It made them say hallelujah. It made them say amen. It made them say bless the Lord. Praise God. You know what I'm going to be doing a hundred years from now? What I'm practicing doing right now. Woo! And right now i got to do it right through this veil of sin and sorrow with opposition from the world, opposition from the devil and even my own flesh. But one day I'm going out of this world, going into another world, and the devil can't get me and the world won't be present, and my own flesh won't be a hindrance, and you ain't seen nothing about how we're going to shout when we get over there. You want to talk about throwing a fit? It'll be a Holy Ghost fit, but we're going to throw a fit one of these days. Woo! I'll get carried away when I get carried away. Hallelujah. A hundred years from now, what are you going to be doing? Well, I'm practicing up this morning for what I'm going to be doing a hundred years from now. There are really only two options, though. You'll either be singing the praises of the Lamb or you'll be screaming with anguish in the fire. Are you listening to me this morning? Luke 16, the Bible said, and it came to pass then the beg- that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sin Lazarus that he may dip the finger in his, dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented. And at this flame, Revelation 14 and 11 said, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and forever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Hear me. A hundred years from now, you'll either be singing the praises of the Lamb or you'll be screaming with anguish and the fire. This is your life a hundred years from now. Question number three. Where will you be a hundred years from now? What will you be doing a hundred years from now? Question number three. 
Who will be with you a hundred years from now? Who will be with you a hundred years from now? One thing we know is that we will not be gathered together all in the same church building where we are this morning all together as we are today. There is no chance that a hundred years from now this same congregation is gathered in this same place. No chance. You won't have the same preacher. If y'all are here, you won't have the same preacher by the end. There's no way, that's not happening. Maybe time will be standing a hundred years from now. If so, I pray someone is standing in this pulpit preaching with power in the Holy Ghost and declaring, thus saith the word of the Lord. And telling of the gospel that saves sinners and changes lives. But if there is, it will not be me. I pray the pews are filled with people worshiping God in spirit and in truth. But if so, it won't be you. None of us are likely to be here a hundred years from now. Who will be with you a hundred years from now? I want to tell you something this morning. If you don't yet know it, I want to tell you. I want us to be together in heaven a hundred years from now. I want us to be together in heaven. I want to walk down the streets of pure gold. I want to uh, stroll through the fields of green clover. I want us to see the mansions and smell the flowers, hear the singing, know that it's all ours. Praise God. Hear the river gently flowing. Feel the gentle breezes blowing. I want us to be together in heaven a hundred years from now. Amen. Hallelujah. I want there to be a glad reunion day and there is going to be and I want you to be a part of it. The reality is your life a hundred years from now really only has two possibilities. You will either be with the Lamb and all His glorified saints Revelation 21 and 2, and I saw John the whole, and I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and shall be their God. I say, Oh, I want to see him. I look upon his face there is seen forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory let me let my voice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice praise God hallelujah what a day that day will be when he takes me by the hand I strolls all over glory land what a day what a day that day is going to be I want to stroll over heaven with you. The blessings for all of us who have been saved. And my friend, is a privilege of a Christian family. He said we will be together, my friend, forever with Jesus, with each other. And I want you to join us. Will the circle be unbroken? By and by, Lord, by and by. Oh, there 
there's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. Oh, praise God. I'm so thankful to have a Christian family, but not everybody that I love and everybody whose blood kin to me has been born again by God's marvelous grace. But I want to tell you this morning, I want them all to be. I want us to stroll over heaven together someday. You'll either be with the Lamb and His glorified saints and the only other option a hundred years from now is to be separated in isolation of the fire. Luke 16, 26. Father Abraham said, I can't send Lazarus to you. In your lifetime you receive good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But then he said, and beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. Oh my. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. He says in that verse to me, Mr. Rich Man, do you realize you are separated forever? Do you realize? You will never have access to this place. Do you realize that every person you see walking in this comfort and enjoying the bliss of their reward, you will never shake hands with them again. You will never enjoy their warm embrace again. You will never have the comfort of a kind word from them again. You are eternally separated in hell. Not only will you be separated from the church, you'll be separated from the saved. You'll be separated from the celebration and glory. You'll be separated from your family and from your friends. That you'll be separated from the Savior forever, my friend. You'll be separated from the Holy Ghost and the comfort of the sweet Spirit of God. There'll not even be fellowship of the eternal wicked. It is a place of everlasting darkness. You'll hear the unbearable screams of untold millions that you'll never know the blessing of a kind handshake or a comforting word. It is eternal separation and isolation for all who die lost. A hundred years from now, who will be with you? You will either be with the Lamb and His glorified saints or you'll be separated forever in isolation in the fire. This is your life a hundred years from now. I'm finishing with one more question. Where will you be a hundred years from now? What will you be doing a hundred years from now? Who will be with you a hundred years from now? Here's the fourth question. What will your future look like a hundred years from now? That's really the subject of these verses we've read to you this morning. A year from now, we're going to go to town. We're going to work. We're going to make money. And a year from now, we're going to have profits turned. Can I tell you from personal experience, it ain't easy to turn a profit in 12 months in a business. A year from now, we're going to be profitable. We're going to be making hand money hand over fist. Why? Well, I mean, things are going to be good a year from now. I listened a little bit, and it's probably a bad mistake. I listened a little bit this morning to the news while I was getting dressed. 
and shaving my face and all that kind of stuff. And they had one of the officials, I could tell you who it is, it wouldn't mean nothing, most of you, had one of the officials from the, from the White House that was on there, and he was projecting what, uh, you know, gross domestic product would be in yes, so many months. And he was telling us, oh, you know, what they, how they expected in growth to be of the economy and so forth, and what was going to happen to trade, and what's going to happen with this nation and that nation and all these kind of things. And I thought to myself, he's just making guesses. He don't know any more than what we know. Matter of fact, the man who's interviewing says, uh, oh, what about this and what about that? And he would say, well, I'd guess it'd be a little more and I'd guess it'd be a little less. And I thought, yeah, all you're doing is guessing like all the rest of us. You know why? You don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen. I think about one of my favorite writers in terms of events and philosophy and so forth, at least in our time frame and in our lives. And he was not, far as I know, a saved man. He was not a Christian man. How about my friend, a very bright man? He said this. He said a hundred. He said, we always want to talk about the long run, but in the long run, we're all dead. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, he died last year. He died. I don't know that he knew the Lord, but he said, in the long run, we're all dead. Hear me. A two before preacher, not near as smart as that man was, and not nearly as articulate, not nearly as educated, not nearly as accomplished. Just a two before country preacher who spent most of his childhood chasing cows and my friend playing in the dirt. But I know this much. Whereas we may not be here a hundred years from now, we're going to be somewhere. And you better be ready to leave this old world. In the long run, we're going to be somewhere. What's your future going to look like in the long run is what I'm asking you. A hundred years from now. Well, preacher, you know, you know, I interview people for jobs. I ask them, so what do you want for your life? What do you want out of your career? What do you want for your family? What's important to you? If they tell me what's important to them is fishing six days a week, I ain't iron them. Amen. That's exactly right. They tell me what's important to them is working. Now we're interested in telling us, let's go on to the next question. I mean, the interview is over if they say that's what's important is fishing six days a week. We got to use at least five of them to work on. Amen. What is it that matters to your life? What do you want for your future? How many times have you seen this question or asked this question, Brother John? Where do you see yourself five years from now? Let me stretch it on out. This morning, a lot of you five years from now, you can conceive of where you might be while you're yet in this world. Let me stretch it on out. Where do you see yourself a hundred years from now? And when you get there, what will your future look like then? You know what I never considered when I was a 20-year-old boy interviewing for jobs and all this stuff, and they'd ask me, where, are you gonna be? where do you see yourself five years from now? I had a fellow ask me that question. I'd always ask him the same, answer the same way, sitting in your chair. Where do you see yourself five years from now having your job? Sitting in your chair. I figured if they couldn't handle ambition, they didn't need to hire me anyway. Amen. Because that's what they was going to get. If they didn't want somebody who's going to work hard, who want to do well and succeed and, and grow and progress, they'll hire their own person. So go ahead and tell them. Sitting in your chair doing your job or being your supervisor. Right. That's right. That's what I'd tell them. Some folks handle that, some couldn't. The ones that really wanted to go get her, then they got her. The ones that didn't, they passed along and said, don't call us, we'll call you. And I didn't even have a phone. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but what I didn't consider, Brother Thomas, what happens when you get in that chair? 
Where do you see yourself a hundred uh, five years from now? Sit in your chair. All right, five years from now. I'm sitting in their chair. Now what? How about some of you? hundred years from now, just about everybody in this building say, I don't think I'll be here hundred years from now. Okay, what then? What does your future look like a hundred years from now? When you get to where you're going to be a hundred years from now, what does the future look like from there? Where do we go from here? Anybody ever ask that question of themselves or of their friends? All right, we're where we are. Where do we go from here? A hundred years from now, what's your future going to look like? There's a lot of stuff we can tolerate in the moment. Bad circumstances, physical pain, Grieving hearts, we can tolerate a lot of things in the moment. It's the things that drag on for long periods of time that have a way of just grinding us down into power. Mamas go through the jaws of death to bring new life into this world. But they tolerate things in the moment for the idea that it's only going to be momentary and there is a reward when this thing's over. They don't know how aggravating them kids are going to be. But there is a reward when this thing is done. There's, there's an end to it. You realize, a hundred years from now, your future will be set. Whatever it is, it will be established. It will be settled. It will be over with a hundred years from now. Whatever your future is, it will be determined. There will be no changing it then. The tree will have fallen in the, in the forest. And where it has fallen is where it will lie. Be no moving it then. Death will not change who you are. It will seal who you are. In our present time, we have goals, aspirations, expectations. We have things we want to do, places we want to see, people we want to meet. There are markers ahead that we expect to achieve physically, financially, and socially. But a hundred years from now, what will your future look like? There are, as with every other question this morning, I've asked only really two possibilities. Everlasting life will be your future. If you know the Lord, everlasting life. Jesus said it in John 3, 16. He said, for God, sent it. for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what my future is going to look like a hundred years from now? I'm just going to live forever. I'm going to die no never. Everlasting life. That's what it looks like a hundred years from now. There's really only two options. It's either everlasting life or it's eternal death. Amen. Revelation 20, 11, and I saw a great white throne. Everybody please listen to me tonight, this morning. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. I finished the message last week with the judgment seat and I'm finishing this morning with the great white throne judgment. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And I can't preach on all of this. There's enough preaching in that hours, hours. Some of it you couldn't handle anyway. And they were judged, every man according to their works. 
and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You know what the lake of fire is? It's eternal dying. Everything Satan has is a contrast of what God has. Jesus is the truth. Satan is a liar. Amen. Jesus is life. Satan is death. Jesus came to gather together and he calls, come unto me. Satan is the author of confusion. Jesus is the shepherd. Satan is the thief. Cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Everything Satan is and has is the direct opposite of everything God has and he does. And the saints of God are going to eternal life, everlasting life. And the eternal fire is eternal death. This is the second death. And who's going there? The final verse. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into that lake of fire. The same one that is the second death. A hundred years from now, what's your future going to look like? There's really only two options. Everlasting life or eternal death. I feel like Moses this morning. I'm not Moses. I'm not even putting myself in that category. I just in this one, in this one manner, I feel like him. I'm small even to be saying such a thing to before preacher from, from Carroll County trying to say such a thing as that. But this is what Moses said. I said before you this day, life and death, blessings and cursings, choose life that you and your children may live. Feel like Joshua this morning, and Lord knows I'm not Joshua. Choose you this day whom you shall serve. Feel like Isaiah this morning, and Lord knows I'm not Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, though they be red like crimson, they'll be like wool, they'll be white as snow. I feel like the Apostle Paul and my friend who preached that it is repentance to the Lord God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like Peter who cried out on the day of Pentecost, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. I feel like the Lord Jesus, and I'm sure no, no, no Lord Jesus, who said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh my. I feel like the Hebrew writer who said, today is the day of salvation. Amen. Oh my. And you know what I do in this generation? The same thing Ms. Jackson did. And when I was a boy coming up, the same thing Charles Haddon Spurgeon did across on the other side of the ocean and at that tabernacle in London, England. The same thing John Wesley did. Hey man, that's exactly right. When he preached on his father's tombstone, I cried out to a generation who has but two options a hundred years from now. Today you're at the cross. Crossroads. 
Today you're at the point of decision. Today you're in the valley of decision. Right now is the accepted time. Get it right with God while you still have the day. Because a hundred years from now your decision will be settled. Your fate will be sealed. And your choices will be gone. And what I'm preaching right now, Brother John, is so strong that this world hates every bit of it. But I'm telling you, a million years from now, a hundred years from now, every soul in hell would give everything they ever had in this world to get five seconds out of that fire and hear this sermon one more time and get on an altar and beg God to have mercy on their soul and save them. Amen. Amen. While we're yet here, if you're saved this morning, and you believe the word of what I'm preaching, it ought to bother us that the people we love and that we care about are still walking blindly down the road of sin, headed right down the way to hell. It ought to bother us. What about it? This is your life. I'm finished preaching. This is your life. A hundred years from now. Brother Randy has told me on several times, he said, you know, I was crazy growing up and doing this or that. But he's told me several times, you know, now I'm worn out and this hurts and that hurts and this aches and that aches. But, you know, I didn't plan on living this long. I took better care of myself, but I didn't expect I'd live this long. I'd have made different decisions, but I didn't expect to still be here. There's a lot of people. The devil's telling them, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to die one day, and when you die, all this is gone. Man's like a fly. He just vanishes and he's gone. He just vanishes and he's gone. It's all over with. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no nothing. But untold millions are going to lift their eyes in hell and wail aloud. And say, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have made different decisions. If I'd have known I'd still be alive a hundred years from now, I'd have made different choices. If I'd have known what that preacher was preaching was right, I'd have done differently at that time. But a hundred years from now, you won't be able to make those choices. There'll be nothing left to do about it. Right now is when you've got to change that. I remember the night. It was not a hundred years ago, but it seems like in some ways it is yesterday. I remember the night when the Lord made eternity real to me. I found myself on my knees asking God to save my soul and begging the Lord not to let me die lost and go to hell. Putting my trust in Him. Praise God. And I could have translated out of this whole world right then and gone to heaven and been just as saved as what I am today after 30 years living for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something else. Here it is 30 years later. John Michael, you're just young, just getting started good. Just getting started good. Here I am 30 years later. Do you know I'm just as saved as I was 30 years ago? And it hadn't worn off and hadn't run out. And I'm not growing tired of it. And I'm not getting tired. I'm not getting tired of preaching, singing, living for God, worshiping the Lord. I'm still enjoying hearing them verses you read this morning. I've read hundreds of times and preached from over and over again. And God's still helping me out of them. Woo! And a hundred years from now, it'll be just as real and just as good and even sweeter than what it is today. Today's the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. Somebody needs to pray. Let's stand, everybody. 
Everybody that's able, stand with us. I believe what the Lord's going to A hundred years from now, this is your life. What will it be a hundred years from now? Are you prepared to meet God? Say, folks ought to be praying for folks who are not right. People that hadn't lived for God ought to be praying God to get it right. Amen. Life is a vapor. It doesn't last long Today you are living But tomorrow you may be gone Have you made made your your reservation For that heavenly shore? You You must have a ticket To enter Where to come right now. You stood before him now, you're satisfied with your life right now. Walls up your jasper. Right now is all you have. Streets up your Yesterday's but a memory, tomorrow's but a dream. With friends and loved ones. Right now is all you got. Today is the day. Tom mentioned every one of them. Everyone, he mentioned several of them. Every one of them focused on now and forgot about eternity. All the false doctrines 
of the world, they dwell on the today. They dwell on this present world. They forget about forever. They forget about eternity. They, they lose sight of a hundred years from now. Isn't it remarkable how Satan would like to get you sidetracked so involved in the now that you forget about the hereafter? But the Word of God warns us about forever, about eternity, about heaven, about hell, about the everlasting life. Focus is in the wrong place, isn't it? We're worried about what we got to do this afternoon, and God's trying to get us to pay attention to what's going to happen a hundred years from now. Those things are more important. More important. 